Welcome to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. This is your number one crypto podcast to hear directly from the movers and shakers, innovators and disruptors in the cryptocurrency industry. Follow on Twitter for updates and to communicate directly at Wolf Big Dog. That's at Wolf Big D-A-W-G. Now, now, here is your host, the one and only Big Dog Crypto. Digital Bits is a protocol layer blockchain focused on supporting consumer digital assets. This is inclusive of assets such as loyalty and reward points, branded NFTs, fan tokens, and notably branded stable coins. Find Digital Bits on Twitter at DigitalBitsORG. Digital Bits, making the future happen today. And welcome to the newest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. I'm your host, Big Dog Crypto, and we have the one and only George from Cryptos Are Us. George, how are you doing? I'm doing fantastic. How are you? Doing good. Doing, do, doing good. I mean, this is, uh, of all the days to have you on, what about today in, uh, in BTC action? What are your thoughts? You know what? Um, a lot of uh, fearful retail investors right now, that's for sure. A lot of people are panicking. There's a lot of FUD in the media, and a lot of it, quite frankly, doesn't make any sense. Right now, the narrative is China is kicking out all the Chinese miners and forcing them out of the country. And that's actually fantastic news. I don't know how it's being spun as a bad thing, but for Bitcoin, you know, as a, as a whole, being decentralized and open source, non-sovereign, all these kind of things that really... Um, that really back Bitcoin and why people enjoy it, right? This goes towards that. The less miners you have in one country, uh, especially China, the better. And most of them are looking into moving into the U.S. So this is actually fantastic news, but it's being spun as a very, very bad thing. So um, it's quite confusing. Would you say, though, that the institutions, I mean, look, they, they see the news just like we do. And, you know, you know, they're there on the sidelines waiting to buy. And you, you look at all the, the trading desks getting in. I mean, wouldn't you say that or would you agree that they definitely take advantage of this? Oh, yeah. Yeah, there's, um, you know, unfortunately, a lot of these institutional buys and even buys from, say, Michael Saylor, they're not very transparent. Although Michael Saylor tells you after the fact, but most institutions and most uh, Wall Street hedge funds, VCs, if they're buying, it's OTC market. We have very little data about that. Uh, but the, the little data that we have that can be tracked through, say, uh, CryptoQuant or uh, Glassnode or any of these analytic companies shows that there are massive buying. There are massive outflows from the exchanges, the ones specifically dealing with the OTC market. So there is proof that they're definitely buying. And I just saw a chart yesterday about breaking up like the buys of uh, retail investors with long-term investors with whales. And the whales, they're accumulating. The, the number of BDC in their wallets are increasing, while retail has dropped off dramatically within the last few weeks, obviously because of what's going on. But... The big boys, they're, they're accumulating. They're, they know Bitcoin's not going to go away, and this is their really one last shot to get things cheap. 
you were one of the first people, because I, I love your program and I watch it all the time. And you were one of the first people, if I recall, to bring up the fact that, you know, obviously now, you know, you had retail and you still do. And institutions are in there. But you made the comment before, if I recall, about on Saturdays, particularly Saturday evenings in the States and in the overnight as you're starting in Europe, that the whales can still take a little bit of their power. Right. And kind of kind of play their games, I guess, you know, and obviously there may be lessened a bit as it was. But when did you first notice that? You mean like the whole whale games that's been going on or is that, is that like, 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 but, but particularly on the weekends, because if I recall, I think you, you had made, you made a comment about that, that uh, you had noticed on the weekends, a lot of times that they were doing that. Yeah. I think it's, uh, it, it's natural to do it over the weekends, even though crypto is traded 24 seven worldwide for the most part, you know, weekend activity is still low. Like volume is low. That's because traders, you know, average shows, they're out with their family doing whatever. They're just doing less trading. And when there's less volume, it's easier to drive things up or down. So I don't think it's a surprise that a lot of the volatility we see are, are over the weekend because things could be driven down or up, you know, much easier than, say, during the normal weekdays. And they, they definitely do that. Um, so let me ask you this. So, so your channel, now you've been around for a while. When did you first get the idea to start your YouTube channel? Uh, so give you a little quick history. I, I first got into Bitcoin in 2013. And I actually just learned about it. I was in IT, but I got really wrecked in the 2008 housing bubble because I used to invest in stocks. I got wrecked because of it. I didn't pay attention to anything investment-wise, financial-wise, until uh, 2013, tail end of 2013, when I started hearing about Bitcoin, I'm like, wow, this is the greatest thing ever because it's, it's digital money that you can create with basically a digital money tree. Like if you build a mining machine, you could literally mine um, money. So I got in, uh, unfortunately, I was, you know, I got in at the, at the peak. I started li uh, mining Litecoin at that time. Got out after about three, four months. But I learned a lot during that time. Unfortunately, not enough. I didn't believe it enough. So I panic sold, got on the market until 2017 when I noticed that it came back and, uh, and started heading higher. So I got back in 2017 and I realized that the same number of people in 2017 that, that, that was like me, they came in, they, they really didn't understand a lot of things and I had had you know um, I educated myself already years ago so I started answering questions and helping people along and I did this on Quora which is a popular Q&A site then I realized that there's just a need for this there's not a whole lot of crypto experts uh, so to speak so I decided to just expand out build on my website and I never really wanted to get into YouTube at all because I don't think I have the personality or anything for it but people are like, hey, you got to try it. So I started it, started my channel, you know, September 2017 and it really took off. And uh, I've been doing it since then. Would you. So when it comes to content creation, I mean, look, I'm on my first few podcasts, right, getting started. And it's, it's definitely some work, but I enjoy it. Um, you do two streams a day. And I think what most days of the week or is it every day? It's every day. I've watched, I've watched you like on Saturday night and I've watched you on, you know, I mean, it's like you, you have got to be one of the more intensive content creators. Um, what is the thing that you think people that want to get into the space, right? They want to start content creation. What do they need to know before they do that? You know, YouTube is like, I would say it's the, 
It's the easiest thing to get into, but it's also the hardest thing to continue for, you know, on with. It really takes a lot of dedication. Um, you have to have the passion, dedication, and there's so much grind, so much grind. Um, you know, just to give you an example, you know, when I started my channel in 2017, it was when things were really hot for Bitcoin. So my channel took off. I, I built 40,000 subscribers within a matter of months, so three months. So things were really good until they weren't. So when Bitcoin started coming down, most people left and uh, my channel was just stagnant. I stayed at 40,000 subscribers for basically three years, three years. During that time, you know, not a whole lot of people wanted to hear me talk about the future of Bitcoin and crypto and the importance of dollar cost averaging and and uh, holding and and you know people just don't want to hear it. But I, I built a loyal fan base that stuck with me, so my views were like three, four thousand consistently every video, and I used to stream once a day. Um, so it's a grind. I could have very easily just called it quits. I was not making hardly anything from these videos. Three or four thousand views on YouTube does not earn you much. It's like. $30. Okay. So to put things in perspective and for me to be spending hours a day to stream, I would, I'm actually, you know, uh, you would argue that I would be doing better off if I didn't stream, I just did something else and worked at a job. Right. But I kept, I kept going with it and I quit my job. Actually, I didn't quit. I got, I got fired in 2017 for my job, for my IT job. I had a six figure job in 2017 I got fired, so I went to full time with YouTube and Cryptos or Us. So um, luckily, I did make a substantial amount in 2017. So I was living off of that for quite some time. So 2018, um, you know, even when the channel wasn't doing well, I was okay. I didn't have to go get a job. But it was around 2018. I'm like, you know what? Uh, I like YouTube. Right, crypto is not doing hot. Let me start another channel. So I started Drivers Only, which is a car review channel, and I built that up. And it took me about a year until 2019 until Drivers Only took off. So then I used that um, to really just you know keep me going. Uh, I was making good money with that channel, and then Cryptos Are Us kept going and kept going and kept going. I'm like, I'm not gonna give up. I'm not gonna lose out on this once again. Right. So it was both ways. It was like it was a way to keep me in the game. It was a way to keep me motivated because I had thousands of fans that kept tuning in. And I feel like I can't give up on them. And if I do, then I give up on myself, too, because I did lead the market in 2014 before. And that was just a horrible decision. And I just kept with it and kept mining or buying at that time. I would be much better off. Right. So um, long story short, I know that was a long explanation, but going now, things have picked up quite a bit, uh, more so with crypto than my, my car channel. But honestly, for content creators, you have to keep going and going and going. There's some, some people that, yeah, they do really well right away. But for most people, um, and I've done a lot of research into it, you have to provide great content that people will want to watch. And you have to just keep going and going and going and going because sometimes you just you just keep going for a year or two and you may not have any traction at all until you do. And then it all becomes worth it. 
I mean, it's a lot of work to make it happen. And I mean, two a day, that's a lot. Um, you know, you bring up when you were in originally to now, I've heard some people say that this year is like 2013. Some say it's like 2017. Do you, do you think it's like one or the other, a hybrid or something different? When you look at the charts, you know, the way the beginning of the year and going into the fall, what would you compare? I mean, there's a lot of similarity. If you're looking at certain like on-chain metrics or patterns um, of Bitcoin's price movement, there, there are similarities. You know, you can find similarities everywhere. In 2013, there was also a massive drop in the middle, kind of like what we're seeing now. 2017 was more linear, but still there was a lot of dips, like 34, 30 to 40% dips. So there's similarities, but, um, you know, history doesn't always repeat, but it tends to rhyme. Right. That's that's the famous quote. So I think that's what we're seeing. We're seeing a lot of similarities. Uh, but the biggest thing I like to concentrate on is, first of all, if you look at the existence of Bitcoin 12 years, there's been a lot of volatility, but it always continues forward because all the advantages I mentioned before being, you know, decentralized, you know, non-sovereign, no country controls it, no entity controls it. There's something about that that draws in a lot of people. You know, there the distrust in banks and governments and the Fed and everyone else. There's something really, um, really appealing about that. But here's the thing, you know, even though there's similarities, you can't always judge the future by the past. But I look at what has happened within the last four years and especially what's happening right now. You know, we we're now hearing about countries fully embracing and adopting Bitcoin. We know El Salvador have made the first step. They're transitioning and making Bitcoin into uh, a legal tender. But we know that they're not going to be the only ones. There's going to be more countries that's going to follow. That has never happened before in Bitcoin's history, ever. So this is the first time. And then, of course, since 2020, now we have the new Bitcoin Jesus, I like to call him, Michael Saylor, that continues to do well and continues to buy and buy and hold all and buy and hold all Bitcoin. And he started something. He started a revolution where public trade companies are now thinking about doing the same thing. So these things didn't happen in 2017 or 2013, right? And now we have institutions like Mass Mutual, a hundred plus year old institution that, that also committed to Bitcoin. And we have big Wall Street you know, financial gurus that is buying Bitcoin to hedge against inflation. These are all things that were only dreamt of before, but now is coming true. So that's what I'm focused on. That's why I'm so bullish on Bitcoin, because I see these things only growing as we move forward. And back before even 2017, still mostly just speculation. Now, every, all the speculation, all the things that we talked about before is now coming true. And that's very exciting. So when you look at uh, Bitcoin's price at the end of this year, would you want to speculate or look at uh, an amount you think it could be at the end of this year? And then after the next halving, kind of a, a price guess or speculation uh, at those two points? Yeah, I mean, you know, I, I get called out all the time because of bad price predictions. But I honestly believe Bitcoin will be above six figures by the end of this year. I do anticipate that what we're seeing right now, you know, hovering in the 30s, uh, I think we may see in this range between 30 and 40 for maybe a few months. And then I see things really picking up again once we get past all this FUD and 
And naturally, because we're coming to the end of this four-year cycle, which traditionally is the most bullish. So I'd say, you know, around September, October, we're going to really see Bitcoin's price move, move up. So I think we're still on track for over 100000 for Bitcoin, right? And, you know, the exciting thing is this may be a super cycle, meaning that traditionally in the past, Bitcoin has always followed a four-year cycle because of the halving event, which will still happen. There's going to be another one in 2024. But because of all the things I've just said about countries and institutions and companies that are buying into Bitcoin, that are not selling. And retail investors, I would argue, are getting smarter and also not selling. You know, I think the combination of these things could drive Bitcoin much higher and and keep going beyond this year. So in 2022, we could continue to see a rise. So, of course, you saw El Salvador legalize Bitcoin. Uh, what country could you see? legalizing it next i think a lot of latin american countries are looking into it the countries that have real financial instability where their fiat is just literally garbage we have seen that with venezuela and other countries where it, the amount of paper and fiat to buy toilet paper is more than the toilet paper itself you rather just wipe your butt with with the fiat dollars right like in countries like that which exist you know, for the for its citizens, there's no reason to hold more fiat. It's just ridiculous. You want to convert that to something that won't do that. So Bitcoin is a natural transition for a lot of these countries because, first of all, it's non-sovereign. So you think about it, if you're Venezuela or you're Paraguay or any other country, Brazil, you might not want to adopt the USD because it's controlled by the U.S., but what about a currency or digital money or store value that's not controlled by any country? That's very appealing in itself, right? So, and the fact that it doesn't um, depreciate into nothing, right, is also very appealing. So I say a lot of countries uh, that has financial woes, instability with their, their currency, you know, they're all looking into Bitcoin. I think El Salvador is really pushing an envelope like what Michael Saylor did with MicroStrategy. And I think what they do will be at the forefront and pretty much like lead all these other countries. Um, I think, yeah, I think a lot of Latin American countries, even African countries are probably looking into it. I would agree with you on that. Absolutely. Um, speaking of countries or to go to kind of to another planet, Elon Musk and Dogecoin. Do you think he has one of the top five wallets? You know what? Uh, I've heard someone... I forgot who told me this, that there's some other guy that looked at one of the top wallets and looked at looked at the message or something, and it had like 420 and some other like uh, uh, numbers that Elon um, likes. So it could be that he owns one of the top wallets. It could very well be that. Um, I, I don't know for sure, but... Uh, yeah, so it, it could be, it, he could be holding one of them. So, uh, and I always like to ask all my guests, um, what's the, like your favorite country you've been to and what's the one country you want to go to? Ooh, I've been to a lot of countries. I like to travel. Uh, I plan on traveling a lot more, uh, in the future. I went to, I visited Europe, much of Europe when I was a teenager. So I didn't have as much fun. I was with my parents, but in my adult life, I have traveled to Asia, um, Hong Kong, Taiwan, China also. Um, 
a lot of, of course, a lot of places in the U.S. but uh, and and Mexico. But I, you know, I, I like to travel everywhere. I like to. Um, I haven't gone to Hawaii yet. Like to go to Hawaii, check it out. I do want to go back to Europe and just check out all the famous places. Um, and I like to go back to Asia too. So, yeah, I plan on <laughs> visiting a lot of countries. But as for a favorite one, I don't really have a favorite one. I think, I think anytime you go out of the U.S., in my opinion, like anywhere in the U.S. is is very similar because you have the same box stores, kind of same personality, same thought process. Um, but when you visit outside the U.S., it's very different. The cultural, you know, differences is vast. Especially if you go to a country that doesn't understand English, right? That that's a big thing. So I don't have any favorite ones, but I do like to travel. You know, yeah, that's one of the things I always say is that you know the markets never sleep. I mean, if you look and when it's about eight or nine o'clock in New York. It's already early uh, evening in Europe. And then let's say you crash out, right? And the next thing you know, your phone goes off middle of the night and then Asia's gotten started and there's all kind of activity going on. So really the markets are 24-7. Uh, without question, they just never, never sleep at this point. Yeah, it, it is. I get very little sleep these days. <laughs> so when you're, when you're not working, right? Uh, when you're not recording and whatnot, uh, what do you have on in the background? Is it uh, music or podcast or Movies or TV, like uh, what do you normally have uh, on while you're working? Uh, yeah, I, I do a lot of work on my computer in front of this desk right here in this office. I spend like 10, 12 hours every single day. So not only do I, you know, research stuff for my two streams, but right now I'm working on other things such as my website, CryptoZeros.com, which has been really dormant for a long time. So I have a team of writers now that's helping me uh, write, and I have to manage that. Also, right now I'm planning for a big Vegas conference, which is uh, which I'm going to call GeorgeCon 2021. And this is the first time I'm holding a conference, so I'm uh, planning it out, I'm trying to get all the projects to get involved, speakers, you know, ticketing, event planning, all that stuff. I'm working on that as well. <laughs> And uh, in addition to that, I, I have a ton of emails every single day, new projects that want to work with me. I have to look into them and, uh, and you know, decide if they're whether they're good enough to work with. And in addition to that, I do run a Patreon group. So Patreon group, I have members that, that you know, are talking among themselves, collaborating, but they also need my help. And I'm also giving them exclusive content. Uh, at least once a week. Um, so there's that going on too. So among that, sometimes I still work on my car channel as well. I'm not as active on that right now, especially since cars are are less, the views for cars is less because everyone's home and they're working from home. They don't really need to shop for a car. So I'm working on that as well. So uh, with everything, yeah, I, I spend a quite amount, of, a lot of time. I really don't have time for TV. Sometimes just at night for sports or something, but I rarely watch TV. And I just, yeah, turn on some. Uh, I still use Pandora. I haven't moved to Spotify. Just turn on some Pandora and just, just work. Okay, so uh, let everybody know where they can find you on social media. Uh, you know, everywhere is CryptoZeros.com. 
you know, my YouTube channel, uh, Twitter, I think I have an underscore because someone took that name before me. But if you search cryptos or us dot cryptos or us, you'll still find it. Same thing. I'm all over on Twitter, which I'm most active on Facebook, Instagram, which I'm growing even TikTok Now I'm trying to uh, get into that. Of course, I have my website, cryptos or us.com, which, you know, there's two, three articles every day and you can learn about current news and altcoins. And of course, my channel, which is also Cryptos or Us. So that's on YouTube. Well, George, once again, I want to thank you for coming on the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Uh, greatly appreciate it. It means a lot. Thank you. Okay. I'm your host, Big Dog Crypto, and you have been watching the latest episode of the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. All right. All right, brother. Thanks. Appreciate it. Uh, thanks for having me. You've been listening to the Big Dog Crypto Podcast. Follow on Twitter at WoofBigDog, WoofBigDawg, and run faster than the competition, Woof Woof.